You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and joining me today... Just a couple hours, I guess, before he's set to start his second law internship of the summer is my co-host, Curtis. We want to get him on here again today before he gets swamped with all that work that will inevitably be thrown on him the next couple of weeks. And today, we're going to do some buy or sell. I've been saying for a few weeks now that the 2021 college football season will be here before we know it. We're just a little more than two months out right now. And we all know this, the football offseason can be long and brutal. Of course, we try to find what we can to distract ourselves for a little while while we wait on the season to get here very impatiently, at least speaking for myself. But once the summer rolls around, it's all downhill from here. It's just around the corner. And and once we enter these summer months, there are always a, a couple of different markers that I always personally use to count down the time. I know a lot of you out there are already full force into like the 100 days countdown. I think we're like 70 something days out right now. But personally, that doesn't work for me. That just to me makes it seem further and further away when you're only counting down one day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time. It just makes time go by much more slowly for me. And sure, we don't want to wish our lives away. That's true. But we also want college ball season to get here as soon as possible. And don't get me wrong, I do track time in my own way. I just don't count down by day. What I do instead is I just kind of use a couple of different big summer markers, like media days, season tickets arriving in the mail. Well, that used to be the final big marker for me of the offseason, but I guess that's from like a bygone era now. We're, we're not getting tickets in the mail, which I don't even know how I feel about it. I guess it's more convenient to have them just be digital like everything else has become in our society these days. I guess that's more convenient. But there is something special, man, about knowing it's that time of year, knowing that any given day your season tickets are going to arrive, and then finally that day comes and you see the package. Usually what happens for me is I get a text from my wife and it's just a picture of the package with the tickets inside. Unopened, of course. She lets me enjoy that. She used to let me enjoy all that. And then you rush home and you look to see who's on each ticket. What what does the ticket design look like this year? And of course, you don't like, at least I didn't. 
never would I like go ahead and just rip out each individual ticket. No, you keep them there nice and neat. And as each game comes through the season, then you ever so gently tear those individual tickets off. But yeah, we're apparently just not going to be able to do that anymore. So progress, I guess. But regardless, there are a couple of different like summer markers that I use kind of count down the time. And one of those early summer markers has already come and gone as most of the preseason magazines have already hit newsstands around the country. I think Phil Steele's the only remaining, like I guess I would say, big preseason magazine that hasn't hit the newsstands yet as of last time I checked. And honestly, like I don't really read these magazines all that much anymore, at least the traditional ones. I really like Pick 6 Previews, which I found a couple years ago. I think that's far more detailed than those old school traditional ones like the Athlons, the Lindy's. Phil Steele tries to jam-pack a lot of information there, but it's just like random stats without all that much context. I think Pick 6 Preview does the best job really analyzing the sport, giving you the advanced stats, all those kind of things. So I do enjoy that, and I'll, I'll give that one a much deeper read than I will the other ones. But those traditional ones, again, the Athlons, the Lindy's, the Phil Steele's, I basically just skim through their picks and projections more out of habit than anything else. Like literally, literally I will take like 10 minutes and I just skim through their projections, their predictions for the year. I don't really bother reading their team pages because they're just not going to tell me anything that I don't know. Not, not to say that I know everything about every team. I don't. But the information that they give you, that's stuff that if you follow college football all season long, even during the long offseason, it's stuff that you already know. It's basically designed for the fans who have kind of, they, they tuned out after the national championship game and, and are just now picking college football back up in the early to mid summer months. That's not me. That's not most of you guys. Like we live it, breathe it 365 days a year. Obviously we're more intense about it during the actual season, but there's, I mean, we call it an off season, but for us, it's not really an off season because we're still living this each and every day. So it's just not really designed for fans like you and me. But I still enjoy kind of just flipping through the first couple of pages, their predictions and their projections and who they have ranked where. It's just, it's college football, right? So if you put it out there, I'm at least going to look at it, going to skim through it. And that's what I do. And while, yeah, it may be more out of habit than anything else, it's still a marker in the countdown to the coming season for me. Those magazines hitting the newsstands. So yeah, I've skimmed through both Athlon and Lindy's. And in doing so, there were there were several things that jumped out to me as it regards their outlook on and perception of the 2021 Georgia football team. So I've got a list of their preseason projections and picks, and Curtis and I are going to discuss whether we are buying or selling those projections and picks. And given that we opened the season week one against the Clemson Tigers, as you all well know, I think every Georgia fan on earth knows that by this point, at least I would hope that they do. So given that's our first game, we're going to open the conversation by comparing Georgia and Clemson's defensive lines. I know I've talked about this a little bit already this offseason. Curtis has not had a chance to kind of give his take there. So I'll reiterate kind of what I've said earlier, and I'll let Curtis kind of have the floor here to start and tell us his thoughts here. But looking at both Athlon and Lindy's, they both had the Clemson defensive line ranked ahead of the Georgia defensive line. They actually both had Clemson as their number one defensive line. Athlon gave us a little bit more love, had our D-line at number three. And Lindy's has a little further down their list, still inside the top five, but they had us coming in at number five overall in their defensive line rankings. So Curtis, I, again, I've talked about this a little bit already in the offseason. I personally think 
that the Clemson and Georgia defense lines are the two best defensive lines in the country coming into the 2021 season. But nationally, the talking point in the narrative is that Clemson has the best defensive line in the country. Most of your national talking heads, that is a talking point for them. It has been the entire offseason. So, Curtis, are you buying or selling that Clemson has a better defensive line than the Dogs in 2021? All right, I'll say the controversial thing. I think I'm going to sell it, and I think the biggest reason Clemson gets a lot of it is because of their top two, Miles Murphy and Brian Brzee. Uh, but I don't know if they have that true outright depth that we have at defensive tackle position. I mean, yeah, and, I, and I've talked about this a little bit before, and I guess what I've said about this, and I'll kind of reiterate this, it's really tough to – I know people say, well, the defensive line, so easy to compare. Georgia's defensive line versus Clemson's defensive line. And okay, on the surface, maybe, but it's. I think it's tougher in this case because we run different schemes, right? I know that we don't really play a base 3-4 ever anymore because of how the spread offense has just proliferated across college football, but we're more of a 3-4 team than Clemson is. We run more odd fronts than Clemson does, right? And when you talk about Clemson, their pass rushers are included in their defensive line, right? Because they run a 4-3 defense. So Miles Murphy is a defensive end pass rush type guy. From that. He obviously defends the run very well also, but he's a pass rusher first and foremost. Whereas our pass rushers are not included in our defensive line because they're just thrown in as linebacker because we run this 3-4 scheme. You know, our half the time our defensive our our linebackers, our outside linebackers, our pass rusher, guys like Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, Aziz Ojolari in the past, they'll play on the defensive line with their hand in the dirt in an, in an even front. Like they're like they're basically a four-three defensive end. They do that quite often. But that's just not necessarily like when you're looking at preseason picks and projections, they say, oh, Georgia's a 3 4. So we're going to say they're outline, outside linebackers. We're going to label them just linebackers, not even as a line. So the conversation has to kind of put that into context. But I mean, I think you're right. When you look at who Clemson has on their defensive line, they got the two five. Well, they guess they were freshmen last year. They're rising sophomores, former five stars, Brian Percy and Miles Murphy. Those guys are legit. Murphy's more of an edge player. Brzee's an interior guy, but he has some versatility to move around and play different spots. What about Tyler Davis, Curtis? I think he's the, like you're right. They meant people when they talk about Clemson Demons Vine, they talk about Brzee and Murphy, probably first and foremost. I think Tyler Davis might be the un like when he's healthy, might be the unsung, I don't say star, but the unsung hero of that defense of front. How do you think he factors into that? Um, I think he does factor in it, but I think the biggest, like you kind of mentioned, they talk about the top two. He might be almost like uh, our Devonta Wyatt is maybe what I would say he's like. I think that's yeah, yeah. He's a, maybe not a, a like a disruptive force like like a, maybe a Brian Percy can, but he's that solid, steady dude that's going to be there. He's going to anchor that defensive line, and, and like he's got some pass rush to his game as well, which is also something Devonte Wyatt has is an underrated part of Devonte Wyatt's game because he doesn't get he doesn't necessarily rack up the sacks. But he can give you some interior push there, which we haven't always had in the past from that demons, that, that three-tech defensive tackle spot. But ultimately, when answering this question, I think it just comes down to what you value. And different people, reasonable people, can have different answers here because our defensive line and Clemson's defensive line are built differently. They're built to do different things. And the schemes prioritize different things. For example... If you're talking about rush defense, controlling line of scrimmage, eliminating explosive plays, those kind of things, if that's what you value, then our defensive line is the superior front. I think our defensive line in that regard, slowing down the run, controlling line of scrimmage, eliminating explosive plays, just dominating the line of scrimmage, 
I think we are as good. I think we are better than anyone in the country. When you factor in, you got Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Jalen Carter, Trevon Walker, Zion Logue, now Nazir Stackhouse. When it comes to just owning the line of scrimmage and kind of being that immovable object, that is our defensive line. That's what we do as well, if not better than anyone in the country. Now, on the other side, if you're talking about disruption in the backfield, creating tackles for loss, sacks, those kind of things. Well, Clemson, they are much better at doing that. Their defense front is much better in that regard because that is what their defense is schemed to do. And that is what their players up front are asked to do. And it, it's, it's, it's a really tough question to answer because, again, they're asked to do different things. It depends on whoever's answering it, what your preference is. Because both defensive fronts are as good as anyone in the country doing what they're asked to do, what their scheme designs it up for them to do. And there's give and take there. I threw these numbers out there earlier in the year when we were talking about this, when I was kind of comparing the the defensive line of Clemson to our defensive line a couple months ago. But if you look at our defensive line, we finished number one in rush defense two years in a row now. Averaging only 73 yards a game. Teams are only averaging 73 yards a game on the ground against us. We're number one in rush defense efficiency, in yard, which is yards per play. In 2020, we were number two. In 2019, we were the best team in the country in the number of explosive runs allowed in 2020. And it really wasn't even close between us and AM, who was number two. We allowed 16 runs of 10 plus yards last year. AM allowed almost twice as many, 29, and they were the second best team in the country eliminating explosive runs. Take it a step further, 20 plus yards. We only allowed three runs of 20 or more yards last year. AM allowed eight, and again, they were number two. So if you're if that's what you're basing your defensive line production on, if that's what is important to you, if that's what you value, stopping the run, limiting explosive plays, then there is literally no defense in America that has been better than us over the past two seasons. And most of those key players, and really the one true key player stopping the run for us, Jordan Davis, he is back this year. I don't think we'll miss a beat there. Are we going to miss Aziz Ojolari? Are we going to miss Monty Rice? Sure, absolutely. But Nolan Smith, former number one overall recruit. You've got N'Kobe Dean, Quay Walker, Chain Tindall. We're just fine in the front seven. And again, Jordan Davis is back. So from that perspective, you would say Georgia. But the the what you have to give up there when you're that strong against the run, and you defend it how we defend it, you give up some of those havoc numbers, which I know has been a, a long time source of frustration for a lot of Georgia fans, but it's hard to argue with the end results, right? With how dominant we've been against the run. But the fact is, you know, we're, we're, we've only been 43rd and 60th in tackles for loss each of the past two years. Last year, we were 30th in standard down pass rush rate, which is not bad. It's good. It's solid, but it's not elite like Clemson has been. For example, Clemson was second in tackles for loss in 2020 and 2019. The second in standard down pass rush rate. So they are just clearly far more disruptive as a defensive front, create far more havoc than what we do. But again, that is by design. But just like there's something you have to give up when you value the things that we value defensively, Clemson, by virtue of putting more of a premium on creating disruption and havoc in the backfield, They also get burned for bigger plays on the ground far more often than we do. And they just get out of position and aren't as consistently sound against the run as we are. They've been really good against the run. Their defense uh, was 15th nationally last year, 19th in 2019. So top 15, top 20. That's good. Giving up 115 yards a game on the ground. That's good. 
but that's not Georgia good, right? And they're doing that against a far weaker schedule in the ACC. And when they play some of the better teams on their schedule, they're getting hurt on the ground far more often than they are during the regular season. So again, it's just a matter of preference and what you put a premium on. I'm sure most Clemson fans would say, every Clemson fan would say, oh no, our defense line's better. Look at our sack numbers. Look at our tackle for loss numbers. So that's easier to measure, right? It's tangible. Whereas I'm sure every Georgia fan would say, no, our defense line's better. Maybe not every Georgia fan, but a a lot of Georgia fans would. So to sum it up here, I don't know if there's a right answer. Again, it just depends on kind of your perspective and what you value, what you put a premium on personally. But I personally value that consistency stopping the run. You cannot give up big plays. How do you win games? You you hit explosive plays. How do you lose games? You give up explosive plays, right? I very much value the fact that Kirby Smart and our defensive staff put a significant value on stopping and limiting explosive plays. I think that has served us extraordinarily well over the past couple of years and served Kirby extraordinarily well for years and years and years now. So the fact is we're really splitting hairs here. Both defenses are elite, or both defensive fronts are elite. Probably the two best defensive fronts in the country. I guess you could potentially throw in Ohio State, maybe Oklahoma in there. Alabama's always got to be up there. Yes, I did say Oklahoma. We'll talk more about them a little bit later. Oklahoma's got a legit defensive front this year, guys. But I think Clemson and Georgia are probably the top two defensive lines coming in the country. And if you're asking me, based on what I value, I'm going to sell this. And I'm going to say that the Georgia defensive line is actually better than the Clemson defensive line, even if by very small margins. But all right, Curtis, let's go ahead and move on to our second topic here. Looking at Athlon Sports and their preseason magazine, they actually have Georgia ranked with the number two running back room in the country. So they're giving us a lot of love, a lot of respect there. That's not necessarily what caught my eye. We, we, we're running back you, right? We always have a great backfield. We know that. We expect that. What caught my eye was who they had above us at number one, which was the Alabama Crimson Tide, a team that's losing their top running back, Najee Harris, has a couple of guys that are highly recruited returning, but they have them as the number one overall running back unit in the country with Georgia coming in right behind them at number two. So Curtis, buy or sell, Bama has a better running back unit than the dogs. Oh, I'm selling that 100%. I mean, what Alabama has returning has nowhere proven what our top four have ever done. And that's why I think it's an absolute joke. They're going off recruiting rankings in that instance. Um, Trey Sanders has really never done anything. He's done nothing. He has done nothing. Uh, is Brian Robinson back? I don't, uh, Brian Robinson is back. I, I guess coming the year, like you would think he'd be their starter, but I mean, but has he ever even accomplished what Kenny McIntosh or even Kendall Milton really have truly he done? Barely has in four years. He has a little bit over. Well, I guess he has about twelve hundred yards in four years. And that's that's their top running back returning. And that's why I think it's going off recruiting rankings, maybe what they got in their last class with where I can't remember how they how they're Wheaton. Jace um, Mc, they, they, well, they got Jace McClellan coming in. He was a high, he was a top fifty guy. Of course, you know, Trace Trace Sanders a couple years ago, we thought we had him, but he kind of spurned us at the last second there. Uh, he was the number one running back in the country a couple years ago. But like he he's going to his third year, Curtis, and he has like you said, he's done basically nothing. So you're right. Like this is all based off number one, it's the Bama bump, right? They're yeah. Alabama, so they, they have to just naturally be better than everyone, right? And that's so why I think that. it's a joke. I mean, they're going off recruiting rankings completely in this thing. But you can say, oh, these guys are good, but they haven't even done it in scrub time, honestly. 
and I think and that's why they it's may end. Up, and this is and look, I don't want to kill Athlon here because these are projections. Like they, you're right, they are looking at recruiting rankings, absolutely. But when you're talking about guys who basically haven't really played that much, like when Trey Sanders and Jason McClellan, two highly ranked guys, two former top fifty prospects nationally, who are in all likelihood going to be very good when they get their opportunities. So when you're making projections and these guys haven't really played, yeah, I mean you, you've got to make an educated guess. But what you said is perfect, Curtis. I come back to, you know what? They could end up being better, maybe. But they have proven nothing at the college level. And I'm not saying all of our guys. I mean, even, have even, in scrub, even in scrub time, they don't do anything that really stands out. I mean, Kendall Mill, and if he doesn't get hurt, that guy was going to start stealing reps. I mean, and uh, well, he was already coming like, into reps. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's why I'm like, I just think it's a very – I don't know. It's, 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 it's the fact that they're Alabama, right? They're Alabama, these guys, and people get caught up in recruiting rankings. So it's Alabama. I mean, Alabama and usually does they have, have great running backs. Guys, they got to be good. They have long, yeah, they have a long history of guys doing well. And, I, I mean, I think they always have a good running back room, and I think they rightfully so deserve to, to, cons- to consistently be in the top parts of the running back rooms. But in this situation, I just have to disagree with Athlon. Yeah, look, I have no issue with Alabama being up there in the top three, top five, somewhere when it comes to their running backs. They do have some really highly talented guys. And when you run the system they run that's so RPO heavy, it it creates room for the running backs, essentially. Because, and we'll, we'll talk more about this later on in the week, but when you when you talk about the RPO game, the offense, the defenses can't be right. If they try to if they try to stack the boxes to stop the run and they bring their safeties down, well, you throw the RPO. You're not actually running into those stack boxes. And if they keep their savings back to defend against the RPO, try to take that away, well, then you run the ball and you get the two high looks. So they're just running into favorable boxes, favorable situations with that RPO heavy offense. So whoever ends up being the, the guy for Alabama or the, the top two guys, they're going to put up numbers. They absolutely will. With, with the offensive line they have, the way they recruit, of course, we're going to put up numbers. But I go back to what you said, Kurt. You said, I mean, I love what you said there. Like in terms of what they've proved on the field, you and I have been hard on Zamir White, but Zamir White's still been a really good running back. And now, He's coming into his third year, second year as a starter. And you got James Cooks, the guy that nobody talks about. And we haven't really, and honestly, we haven't figured out how to use him consistently. Hopefully, that starts to change this year with a full offseason under our belt, with a full spring practice. Now that our, our, our coaching staff, our offensive staff with Todd Munkin can figure out ways to get him more involved and utilize his skill sets. And then you throw in Kenny McIntosh, you throw in Kendall Milton. And heck, Dejan Edwards as your number five back. We're so loaded in the backfield. That we had a former top, essentially a top 100 prospect that we said, you know what? We just don't have any carries for you right now, running backs. We want you to go play cornerback right now in Lavoisier Carroll. And that guy's essentially a top 100 prospect nationally at IMG. That's how stacked we are running back right now. All right. So, yeah, like Alabama's going to be good. And there's some other good running back units out there as well. But if you look at just the depth that we have, you know, it's about recruiting rankings. I mean, come on, Zamir White, formerly a number one running back in the country. James Cook, formerly a top 50 prospect nationally. Kendall Milton, right up there. For He was a five-star for a while when he ran a 40-yard dash. They dropped him down to about the top 100-ish. We're talking about some, some recruiting ranking prowess as well. On top of the fact, they've proven more of it on the field at this level. So yeah, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna go with you here. I'm gonna sell having Bama at number one. They're gonna be really good. I would just in this case, I I, got, I would have the dogs again. Call me at Homer. I would put Georgia at number one here. This is one position where I would say, all right, if it, especially if it's coming down to Georgia or Bama, if that's your number one, number two groups right there at the running back spot, I think I think we got the edge there. I'm gonna put us at number one. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right. Now, I'm interested to hear your take on this one, Curtis. I, I'm not sure I'm buying this one. All right. So, Lindy's, this really caught my eye when I was kind of skimming through Lindy's preseason projections. Lindy's has JT Daniels as their number two draft eligible quarterback coming into the 2021 season. So, Curry, are you buying or selling that? JT Daniels as the number two draft eligible quarterback? I'm going to buy that. I mean, we've had this discussion. Ooh. Some of the other rankings, when you go over like who they have coming out, I mean, when you're looking at what you want in a pro quarterback, I think he has all the tools and he can make almost every throw you're looking at. He's a very cerebral quarterback. He likes to study the game. He's a student of the game, which is something that like a lot of pro teams love because they want someone who's going to be committed to the game, especially when you've had a history with people like Jamarcus Russell and those who weren't fully committed. And even uh, more recently, the guy from Ohio State, um, Dwayne Haskins, like you need that. That's one thing about him, and I think the farther he gets away from the ACL and all the other knee surgeries, and the healthier he gets, you're going to see him return. I mean, this is the same guy who won the uh, USC starting job as a 17 year old who should have been a senior in high school. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got the pedigree. There's no doubt, and we saw the production last year. We've talked about it so many times. I mean, I'm not even going to bother to throw the numbers out there. We've said them so many times, but our offense produced at a level that. We couldn't even come close to touching before Dick Daniels became our starting quarterback. Our offensive production across the board increased rather dramatically the last couple games of the season. And sure, you could point and say, oh, yeah, well, you were playing Mississippi State. Oh, yeah, well, you were playing South Carolina. Yes, South Carolina, I will give you. Mississippi State's defense was good last year, guys. I know their win-loss record wasn't great. Defense was good, plus they, they sold out to try to stop the run and force us to do things that we hadn't been doing all season. Cincinnati was a good football team, guys. I know you don't want to give them credit for that because they're a group of five team. Cincinnati was a good football team. Missouri was a solid team as well. So it's not like we were playing just complete baby seals the last couple games of the year. But look, with JT, not only was the production there, but you're right. You you hear all the right things. And we don't have any way to know. I guess you can know by the production he puts on the field. I guess that's the ultimate test. But you hear the right things about him being committed behind the scenes, him being cerebral, him putting the work in, all those things that you love to hear. And we've heard that about Georgia quarterbacks before. But I would, as you were saying there, because I would kind of argue, well, yeah, we've heard that before, but I think JT has more natural ability than some of those quarterbacks that we've heard that from. Yeah, like the, that one, about the one thing you're really hearing is how he's taken more of a leadership role. Has like he got even got guys to fly out to California to train with him. That he's doing all these things. Like, yeah, we heard that with Jake Fromm and stuff, but he has tools that Jake Fromm dreamed of having. I think that is a fair assessment of their physical abilities. Yes, I think and that is he, fair. He has an offensive coordinator 
who will put him in a position to be successful. And I think that's something we haven't had in a while. But number two, number two draft eligible quarterback. I mean, I really think in the NFL draft, he'll be the, he'll be the second quarterback taken in the NFL draft. I could, if he has a year, like he's capable of, especially with the weapons, I don't know why he couldn't. I mean, Sam Howell's a good guy, but you got to think Sam Howell's what he's a great quarterback, but a lot of his comes from just deep reads. Like he's not one of these quarterbacks that has to sit out there and read the whole field. Like JT is more or less becoming accustomed to but you're starting to see some of the nfl teams do that kind of stuff too yeah you are college game is filtering up to the nfl it does depend who is in the nfl but i think a lot of things too like you're gonna have to look at some of these numbers these quarterbacks may put up like sam howell first off lost a lot of wide receivers and his top two running backs so you're gonna think how is he gonna fare this year um spencer rattler yeah he's he's still inconsistent he may have you know come off and have a Kyler Murray type year, but those really depend on the team trying to search for him because it has to be a special offensive coordinator take a chance on someone like that. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Sam Howell's losing his top two running backs, top two wide receivers. But man, the dude, as a freshman and sophomore, put up 3,500 yards plus in his first two seasons. Last year, he would have put up 4,000 had a, a full season. 68 touchdowns, 14 picks in two seasons, 9.4 yards per attempt through his first two years. I mean, those are crazy numbers for a program that hasn't had a lot of success before he got there. And you're right, it's not all him. They had some really good weapons around him. But you can say that about any quarterback who has success. You've got to have weapons around you, right? I mean, whether it's Justin Fields, whether it's Mac Jones, whatever you're talking about, you've got to have weapons around you. So I don't want to knock Sam Howell for that. I mean, honestly, I would say coming into this season, I would have Sam Howell ahead of JT. I mean, is that crazy? Um, I mean, coming into the year, no, I don't think that's crazy. Hey, look, I, I'm open to the idea that JT, by the end of the year, like you said, if he has the year that we honestly need him to have to make a championship run, then I'm open to the idea that, yeah, by the end of the year, maybe JT could be at number two, which I guess is what Lindy's is saying here. I'm just looking at – you look at the list of some of these players right now. Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, Keaton Slovis, those guys are – Derek King, if he's healthy, we'll see what's going on there. Those guys are going to put up massive numbers. And I think that – I really do believe that we're going to see a different kind of Georgia offense this year. I could be proven wrong, but I think that we are with some of the weapons that we have now in year two with Todd Monk having a full season under his belt, a full offseason, JT being his guy. I think you're going to see a Georgia offense that's more explosive, more dynamic than any Georgia offense maybe ever. I mean, I, I firmly believe that. We've talked about that before. I believe that's going to be the case. And if that happens, sure, JT Daniels is going to put up some massive numbers. If we have the kind of team success we want to have, the spotlight's going to be on him. And he's going to get a lot of NFL draft love. And he certainly could be the, top, the one of the top two quarterbacks taking an NFL draft. But these other guys are going to put up massive numbers too. Sam Howe, I know he lost some players. They still got a couple guys coming back. Sam Howe's going to put up numbers. All right, That offense is just quarterback friendly. He's going to put up numbers. Spencer Rattler is going to put up video game numbers. Do I think Spencer Rattler is as good as Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield? No, I don't. Uh, I, I, I really don't. But I think he's in that offense. I mean, Lincoln Riley is an offensive mastermind. I mean, just watching some of his, his coaching tapes, it's unbelievable that what this guy does from an offensive standpoint. I mean, he just simplifies things for the quarterbacks. It's just so, so difficult to stop. And Rattler's going to put up video game numbers. He is. He's absolutely going to do it. There's never been a quarterback that Lincoln Riley's had that hasn't. So he's going to be productive. Keaton Slovis is going to be productive with Drake London and Brew McCoy out there. So those guys are going to put up numbers too. And I just have to be consistent here. If in the last question that we discussed with the running back rankings, we said that one of the major reasons we're taking the Georgia running back group over the Bama running back unit is because we have more proven production than they have. Well, a lot of these other quarterbacks that are going to be draft eligible this year, the Sam Howells, the Spencer Rattlers, the De'Ara Kings, those kind of guys, they just have 
more of a proven track record than JT Daniels. Yeah, sure, JT started as a freshman at USC, but his numbers weren't stellar as a true freshman. And most true freshmen in the situation he walked into at USC were not gonna have those massive numbers. But the fact remains, he wasn't elite right away in that one year as a starter at USC. And then last year, yeah, we loved what we saw from him. But a big part of that was that it was just such a massive upgrade over what we had had prior to that in 2020. We were just so starved for competent high-level quarterback play and he was great down the stretch he gave us that high-level quarterback play and the results were instantaneous but we still only saw it for a small snapshot right it was four games at the end of the season which is better than no games but it was still only four games so he doesn't have that proven production over as extensive a period of time as some of these other draft eligible quarterbacks. And again, I'm not saying that JT can't prove that this year. I'm very hopeful that he can and will do it. And I believe there's a very good chance that he will, but I've got to be consistent here. If I said that I would take the Georgia backs over the Alabama backs, because we have more proven production at the college level than Alabama's group of running backs, even though Alabama is probably going to put up big numbers on the ground again this year, I have to be consistent here and say, okay, well, Guys like Spencer Rattler, guys like Sam Howell, they just have more extensive proven production at the college level than JT has. We've seen him do it, but for a much smaller sample size. So for that reason, that reason alone, I'm going to sell this right now with the caveat that I do certainly recognize that he has the ability, if he performs all season long the way he did the last four games last season, he can end up becoming one of the top two quarterbacks taken next year's NFL draft. I just don't know if we've seen enough yet to say that right now. All right, let's move on here. Let's stick with Lindy's for another one. All right, this one. All right, let's move away from quarterbacks and go to running backs here, Curtis. Lindy's also has Zamir White as their number one overall draft eligible running back. Number one overall draft eligible running back coming into the 2021 season are you buying or selling that um i'm gonna sell it like i don't know off the top of my head who i would take first um but i definitely just don't believe it would be zamir white well here's what i would say and look i god i i i know this is gonna sound terrible and i because zeus is such an awesome dude just he's a really good player he's a great leader on our team and i want nothing but the best room i want to be proven wrong so badly by zamir white i want him to just take two middle fingers up directly in my face and say, yeah, screw you, man. That's what I want because I, I, I'm rooting for him so badly. But you and I have talked about this so many times, Curtis. Is Zamir White even the best running back on our team? Um, in my opinion, no. Right. You and I are the same opinion. I don't think that he is. He's going to start. He does a great job in pass protection, which is really an undervalued part of what running backs do. He does a much better job of that than anyone. I've actually been going back. You know, I've been watching our tapes all offseason, go back and watch our old games. And you guys know I'm really high on Kenny McIntosh. I think he's kind of a total package type running back. But Kenny McIntosh is an absolute liability in pass protection. At least he was last year. I mean, you're just watching like, oh, my God, he can't be on the field. He cannot be on the field because he can't protect the passer. Zeus is outstanding at that. And that's one thing we don't talk about. But there have been plenty of times this offseason, and I guess the past year, where we have very closely documented some of what we think are Zeus's, I guess you say shortcomings, maybe some of his weaknesses as a running back. He does a lot of things really well, but there's some things he needs to continue to improve on. And I'm open to the idea of him improving on those things. But right now, I would say coming to the season, I don't think he's our best running back. I would, I would probably put 
I would put Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton probably both ahead of him in terms of like their pure running ability. That, in, in terms of things that running backs have to do now, are they are like the physical. <laughs> do, do they have the physical profile of Samir White, the size, speed, athleticism combination, the power? Probably not. But in terms of doing what running backs need to do at a high level, I've seen more evidence of them doing those things, whether it's it's their vision, getting skinny through holes, making guys miss, those kind of things. I've seen the, their balance. I've seen that more consistently from them, even though they haven't had as many carries, and I have Zamir White. So if I don't think he's the best running back on our team, although I think he's very, very, very good, it would start for the vast majority of teams in America. If I don't think he's the best on our own team, I can't sit here and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy that he's the best running back in the country. That just that doesn't make sense at all. Um, and you mentioned yeah, you don't know who would be behind, who would be ahead of him. There's a couple of guys coming off my mind. You're like, think about Brees Hall from Iowa State, right? Okay, yeah. See, yeah, that's a, see, that's a good pick, and maybe he may not be the better pro. Probably have better college numbers, but yeah, I, yeah. Like you, I think you hit the nail on the head when you just said the fact is that we don't believe he's the best on our team. So if that's the case, he can't be the best in America. Maybe you say well, that's because Kendall Milton people aren't draft eligible, but. If that's the yeah, case, right. well, Kenny McIntosh will be drafted. Well, Kendall Milton will not. Yeah. So I guess I would. But if take that's Kenny the McIntosh, case, then yeah. the running back class is just very low in general. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of these guys that might be draft eligible. So I mentioned Brees Hall from Iowa State. Look, I think he like he is their workhorse. Brees Hall is going to put up better numbers than Zamir White. He's going to. But you're right. I, I honestly, I, I, I would take Zeus over Brees Hall. I think he's a better running back. I think he's got he's got more. He's he's got he's he's got more of the physical side of the game than what Brees Hall does. Brees Hall is not a physical freak. Zamir, Zeus is a physical freak with his size, speed, athleticism, power, all of that. Brees Hall does more of the things that running backs have to be able to do in terms of his short area quickness, um, his vision, setting up blocks, patience, all those kind of things, which is things which are areas where Zamir, I think, needs to continue to improve. But he's certainly – from a physical standpoint, like when he goes to the NFL combine, like he'll blow Brees Hall out of the water when it comes to that kind of stuff. And that's not going to be a contest. Uh, Isaiah Spiller at Texas A&M, that, that dude can play. Kyron Williams at Notre Dame. There's some, those are some names that are, that are going to get a lot of looks. You're going to get a lot of touching for the big sophomore? numbers. Oh, I guess Kyron Williams is a sophomore, right? Yeah. I, but is he a, I think he's a red shirt, though. I don't know. I, I think he yeah. Well, way, I'm pretty sure he was a redshirt freshman last year. I could be, I can be, t- look that up for me real quick if you don't mind. Uh, I could be totally wrong on that, but I think he was a redshirt freshman last year at Notre Dame. But double check me on that. Um, let's see, Eric Gray from, see, I, I was still like, I would take Zeus over Eric Gray, wouldn't you? The guy that's transferred yeah, from Tennessee to Oklahoma. Yeah, I would take, I would take I, Zeus over Eric Gray. I would take Zeus over Master Teague at Ohio State. He's draft eligible, I think. It looks like. Variety as a redshirt. He was in yes, I, I think, yeah, I think it'll be his second year being a starter at Notre Dame, but I think he was a redshirt his first year, so he'll be draft eligible. I mean, honestly, like if you just think, like there's not a ton of draft eligible guys that, that we know that are proven commodities at running back that come to the top of my mind right now. But Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, Kyron Williams, Muhammad Ibrahim from from Minnesota. I, mean, I would take I would take Zeus over Ibrahim. Like Zeus is up there. Zeus should probably be somewhere in the top five or six. Certainly inside the top ten. I just don't know that I would have Zamir Wright as the number one overall draft eligible running back. I just I don't think that he'll be the number one running back taken next year in the NFL draft. If that if that's the standard here, if that's what Lenny's are trying to say, I don't think that's going to be the case. Again, I just don't think he's the best in our team. And uh, you know, which again, Zeus, please prove me wrong, please, dude. I I would love to eat my curl on that one. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, let's move on here, Chris. We've got a couple more real quick. Our next one here, this one's interesting. So we all expect our defense to be dominant again this year. That That's clearly the expectation. We've been one of the best defenses, if not the best defense, for two years running now. We have a lot of key players coming back. Jordan Davis coming back was huge. Adam Anderson is going to take on a bigger role, I think, this year. We're going to have, if not the best defense in the country, certainly one of the top three to five defenses in America. But when you look at that, with all the expectations you have about our team defensive success, Lindy's has us only with one position player on their defensive All-American first or second team. They have Jordan Davis on their first team All-American list, have no other George defensive players on their first or second team. So buy or sell on the postseason All-American list, we're only going to have one defensive All-American I'm going to sell it. I mean, first off, you think Tyke Smith, the guy, was a third-team All-American last year. So, I mean, you would have to think, give him the benefit of the doubt, thinking he could do what it takes to get somewhere on there. So I would sell it just for him. But I also think Nicobe Dean's going to – I mean, the guy's really taking a, a role, and I think that he has all the makings to do what Roquan did. So I'm, I'm going to sell it because I think just right there, um, aside from Jordan Davis, we have two guys in there that have a chance of making it. I want – to sell this because I think that we have so many talented players in our defense. We talk about Adam Anderson. You're talking about Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Devontae Wyatt, Nicobe Dean, Quay Walker. We've got a bunch, Trayvon Walker. We've got a bunch of talented guys. And so when you, again, when you go back, you think about, okay, well, we've been so good the past couple of years on defense. Curse. We haven't had that kind of all American love. Like we haven't even the past two years. So what's going to change this year? Well, this year, Jordan Davis got injured. I think that's the biggest thing. And last year, we didn't, in my opinion, we didn't have anyone else that really deserved it. I mean, I don't, even though Eric Stokes was a first-round pick, I don't think he was a lockdown corner compared to what you saw from other guys. Um, N'Kobe Dean still hadn't truly come into his own at that linebacker position. I mean, there were just – and I just don't think we had the guys there to put up the individual numbers to get on there. And that's exactly what it comes back to for me. We rotate so much. We put such a premium on playing a bunch of guys that because all these all American lists are about numbers, Curtis. You know that you you said it right there. They're all about the numbers you put up or the profile you have coming into the season. Most of these these media members who vote on these lists, they don't really like. I'm not saying they don't know football, but they don't know it to that level where they can watch a game and say, well, that guy's just doing exactly what he's supposed to do, even though he's not making the tackle. Like they don't know that. Now, Jordan Davis might not make a ton of tackles, might not make a ton of sacks, a ton of TFLs, but he's been a part of our team for a couple of years now. We've been so good. He has that preseason notoriety, right? And the fact that he could have gone pro and and he came back, that's what it's about. Either you have to put up massive, insane numbers or you have to have that preseason love, that preseason notoriety coming to the season. And as long as you live up, you live up to it to some small degree, you're still probably going to end up somewhere on, on an All-American list. 
But the problem for us is we don't have a ton of those guys that have that kind of profile coming this season outside of Jordan Davis. And then we're not going to have all those guys put up massive numbers because we rotate so much. So I'm going to buy this. I think we're going to have – I'm going to say one player at most on the first and second team. I don't think that's how it should be. I think our guys are going to play the level and perform at a level that they deserve recognition on these All-American teams. But I just don't expect to see. I think Adam Anderson have a breakout. Like he's the one guy, right? Like I think because we don't have as much depth at outside linebacker this year as we've had in the past. He's the one guy. If we can find a way to get him on the field more consistently outside of just those third down dime packages, he could put up numbers, right? He could, yeah. I think Anderson could put up those kind of numbers. And maybe Nolan Smith. I just think right now Anderson's a more dynamic pass rusher. And that's we're gonna we're gonna when we put him on the field, we're gonna try to scheme up ways for him to get after the pass because that is what that guy does. That's his skill set. That's what's unique about him. That's what kind of makes him a unicorn. So I think we're gonna try to get him on the field as more than we have in the past. And I think by doing that, he has a chance to put up numbers. He's the one guy outside of Jordan Davis that I think has a chance to end up on one of these lists. Now, do I think that Nolan Smith got that kind of season that, that could deserve recognition? Yeah, I just don't think he's going to put the sack numbers to do it. Do I think Devontae Wyatt or Jalen Carter might play to a level where they deserve that recognition? Sure. I just don't think they're going to have the numbers. N'Kobe Dean, maybe, like, and maybe N'Kobe. Like, he, I think he'll be our top linebacker this year. He'll probably play more than the other guys. be tough to get him off the field. He's, he's a three-down backer. So maybe he puts up the tackles, maybe. To, to get some sort of maybe second team recognition. I just like, but again, we rotate inside linebacker. We have so many guys there. I just don't know if he'll put up those kind of numbers. So right now I hate to do it, but I'm going to buy it. I, and it's not that I, you know, I, I don't think we're going to have guys that play up to all American level. I think we're going to have guys that play at that level. It's just about putting up numbers and we just rotate too much. We play too many guys for our guys with that individual kind of recognition, which is unfortunate. All right. Moving on here. Let's go. Well, let's just do let's do one more here, Curtis. All right, this one I'm very interested to get your take on. All right, and I don't know if this is you know maybe this is not a scandalous take by Athlon and Lindy's, but it's interesting nonetheless. At least it was to me, it kind of stood out to me because both Athlon and Lindy's they have us in their top five, which is great. They're showing us love, they're showing us respect. I think we are clearly a top five team coming to America. Wherever you want to put us in top five, okay, whatever. I think we're a top five team, and we got to go out and prove the rest of it. But one thing that I did find at least mildly interesting here is that Athlon and Lindy's both had Oklahoma ahead of us in their preseason rankings. Of course, they had the usual suspects ahead of us. They had Alabama. They had Clemson. They had Ohio State. I get it. That's fine. That makes sense. I'm okay with that. But having, both of them having Oklahoma ahead of us. They both had Oklahoma at number three. Athlon had us at number five. Lindy's had us at number four. So, Kurt, let me just ask you this. Buy or sell? Oklahoma should be ranked higher than Georgia coming into the 2021 season. Well, the question is, are you ranking off of what their talent or whatnot? Because I think, they are yes, they're a very talented team. Um and I believe that they should be higher ranked, especially in the fact that the Big 12 this year is going to definitely be weak and that they should easily easily run through the Big 12 other than Iowa State. I really don't know if they have that much competition. So I think they have a chance to be a higher ranked team. Um, but if 
I just don't know what you're basing it on. Maybe if yeah, you're basing and, it on and, and that's always the thing when you talk about rankings is different people do their rankings differently. Do you rank it based, like you said, how good they like how good you think that team is, how town you think they are, or do you rank them based on where you think they will finish? Are you saying Oklahoma's ahead of George because they play in the Big 12 and the Big 12 is an easier path to the playoff? Is that what yeah, you're like saying? We play Clinton one. Like that's what I'm asking. If, if they're asking if it's based on that, then I think that's a fair ranking. Because, I mean, our, if we beat Clemson, it could change things. But the fact of the matter, going into the year, you don't know who's going to win. Um, and Oklahoma just doesn't really have a game like that to scare people away. But realistically, right, you're looking for across arguments, the board. For argument's sake and conversation's sake here, because I don't, I don't know how they rank. They don't really specify. They say, hey, here's our rankings. But for argument's sake and just for conversation's sake here on the show, let's say that both Athlon and Lindy's are ranking Oklahoma ahead of us because they think Oklahoma is better than Georgia. Are you buying or selling that? Joke. Um, offensively, they're always going to be great under Lincoln Riley. You know, we spoke about that. But the fact of the matter is when you look across the board at all the talent, I mean, even the year we played them in the Rose Bowl, they had ridiculous wide receiver talent, running back talent, quarterback was, I mean, Baker Mayfield. I mean, they had all this talent, and yet we still found a way to beat them. And I think that you can scheme to beat a team like that. And the difference is, especially when you're looking at us, we have an offense that can put up crazy numbers this year too, especially with the defense that I think has the capability. We can put up crazy numbers relative to what we've done in the past. Are we going to put up Oklahoma level numbers offensively? I don't know if you have to truly put up those numbers when you have a good defense at the same time that can hold them to not their normal. Yeah, that's fair. Here's the thing. Okay, here's my hot take on this. I'm not like steaming mad at Athlon and Lindy's for having Oklahoma ahead of us. I don't think that's necessarily in, I don't agree with it. I think that we are the better team. So I don't really agree with it, but I don't think it's as outlandish as some Georgia fans might think. Here's my, I don't think it's outlandish, but I just think that it's a stretch if it's based only on talent. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I agree. If it's based on talent, I would, I would sell this. I would have, I would have Georgia ahead of Oklahoma slightly. But here's my hot take. I think that Georgia and Oklahoma are the two best teams in America coming into 2021. That's my hot take. What are you going to say about that? Oh. Uh, two best I teams in America. I'm not against it. I, I'm t- like Clemson, obviously, Clemson will be good, right? There, there's not, I don't think there's going to be a massive drop off with DJ Uyunglele and Trevor Lawrence. Uyunglele is fantastic, they have a great defensive front. But Clemson, there are there are some holes on that team. They have some good receivers. Some guys got to step up. They get Justin Ross back to old Justin Ross. They're going to be really good on offense. They have a major hole at running back. The offensive line is average at best. Secondary has some – like people talk about our secondary issues. I, I think Clemson's got some secondary issues. They're not as good as we are at linebacker. They're good, but they're I don't think they're elite at linebacker. Alabama is going to be really good again. Yes, we know. I mean, Bryce Young hasn't really played, but I expect him to be just fine. They have – they have talent all over the board. I think they might be better defensively than they are offensively this year. They're going to be good, but there, there are holes on that team. They're replacing a lot of big-time players. Ohio State, you can say the same thing. Ohio State will probably have the best receiving core in the country, but we don't know who the, we don't even know who the quarterback's going to be right now. They'll be really good. They'll, they'll almost certainly win the Big Ten. But I think if you look at Georgia, Oklahoma right now, I think those teams have fewer holes, fewer unknowns on their teams, on their rosters, than any of the other major contenders coming into 2021. I honestly, like, it, I think there's a really good chance that George and Oklahoma could play for the national title in Indianapolis next January. I, I, I mean, we'll see how things play out, but I think those are the two. If, I, if I'm if i ranking it based on talent, I put Georgia, I, 
I would put Georgia, Oklahoma one and two based on talent coming this year. If you just take out, you know, what teams done, we know Alabama gets, uh, Alabama's always going to be really good, but they get love based on what they've done in the past. And they it's the same thing for Ohio State. And maybe Oklahoma to a degree has gotten that kind of love in the past, but Oklahoma guys, they were, they, they started off a little slow last year. They were on fire to end last year. And if you look at who they had come back, I mean, Spencer Rattler, no, I don't think he's a Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, but he's a really good quarterback. Quarterbacks are always going to produce that offense. Receiver, Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss, Jaden Hazelwood will finally be healthy for a full season unless something happens between now and then. Mario Williams, top 50 guy coming this year. Mike Woods, transfer, one of the best receivers in the SEC. A very good receiver from the SEC last year for Arkansas. Transfers in. Eric Gray transfers in from Tennessee to be their starting running back. And you mentioned defense, Chris, and that's been the knock on Oklahoma for years. If they had, if they had a halfway decent defense in 2017, they probably would have won the national title. They didn't. That has changed. That has changed with Alec Grinch taking over that defense. Nick Benito is one of the top passers in the, in the country coming in this year. Perion Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas are coming back inside. They both could have gone pro. They came back. Caleb Kelly came back for his sixth season after tearing his ACL last year. That guy played against us back in 2017. I do think there are some questions in their secondary like we have, but it's I don't want to say it's a myth because it was true for a long time. They were not good on defense. They were great on offense, terrible on defense, and that was their Achilles heel. But with Alec Grinch, things have changed. I mean, I don't know how many people realize this. They were borderline top 25 last year in yards per play allowed. They were 26 nationally, giving up 5.19 yards per play. Is that elite? No, it is not elite. But that is a massive jump from where they were in 2017, 2018, when they're like in the 100 range, when they're giving over six yards per play. So if you look at that offense and their defense can even just play to the level they played at last year, that is going to be a dangerous team. And I don't know who's going to stop them in the Big 12. I know people want to say Iowa State. I, I don't see it, man. Oklahoma's got too much talent. Spencer Rattler, in second year as a starter. I think that's a really, really good team. However, I do think we have more talent overall. I think that we have the better defense. Clearly, I believe we have the better defense. And I think our offense might not produce the Oklahoma level, but we're going to produce at a level that Georgia has never produced it offensively in my lifetime, maybe in the program's history. I do believe that. So I think it's neck and neck. I think it's close. I have a lot of respect for this Oklahoma team coming back this year. I would I would give us the edge, but watch out for Oklahoma, guys. That team is – I think they're going to be legit. Absolutely. But all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. I'm going to try my best to have two more episodes for you guys later on this week. Honestly, it kind of just depends on how the week goes, but my goal is to have our final scheme theme episode of the summer where I'm going to detail how Eric Gilbert's arrival on the Georgia roster can help us maybe do some of the things that Alabama has done with so much success offensively over the past couple of years. And then, of course, as I've been teasing for a week or so now, the plan at the end of the week is to kick off our summer scouting me series with our week one matchup against the Clemson Tigers. And if we don't get to this week, again, I hope I do. Just kind of depends on how the week goes and what pops up in my life. But if I don't get it in this week, we'll certainly start next week off with a bang with that Clemson Tigers scouting the enemy series. But thanks for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. We will definitely be back later in the week. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>